All right. Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, was forced to give up her seat. Unfortunately, not her congressional seat. She was thrown out of the theater in Denver. She and her boyfriend were disruptive. They were shouting, screaming, making out like chimpanzees. And the ushers literally forced her to, to leave, to give up her seat during a performance of the musical Beetlejuice. Later on, if technology works, I will be joined by former President Donald Trump. A lot of people say it's Robert Smigel. I don't believe it. It's Donald Trump. And if the technology works, we will also be joined by Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. That's if everything works. And everyone's not working in Hollywood. There's a strike. SAG-AFTRA is on strike and the Writers Guild on, is on strike. Everybody's calling Drew Barrymore a scab because she went back to work without her writers. What we forget is The View is also back to work without their writers. And Bill Maher announced late Wednesday night that he is returning to his show without his writers. And in Bill Maher's statement, he said, there are other people on my show besides the writers who have to work. What Bill Maher and Drew Barrymore conveniently leave out is it's not just the writers who are on strike. SAG-AFTRA is also on strike. This is the first time the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA have gone out together. Bill Maher and Drew Barrymore are members of SAG-AFTRA. They're not screwing the writers. They blame the writers. They're, they apologize to the writers who they really need to apologize to are their, their unions, SAG-AFTRA. They are scabbing SAG-AFTRA, their own union. Pretty despicable. Very despicable. It was different back in 2007 and 2008. A lot of the, the talk shows, there was a Writers Guild strike, but there wasn't a SAG-AFTRA strike. So a lot of the talk shows went back to work and they didn't do any written material. And that was okay. They did the show without writers. This is different this time around. This is a SAG-AFTRA strike. Bill Maher is not screwing the writers. He's screwing his own union, SAG-AFTRA. And so is Drew Barrymore. And so are the women on The View. Shame. Shame on you. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? You can prattle prattle on and on and on about the PRO Act and how unions built the middle class. But when, 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 when the rubber hits the road, when it's time for you to reveal your character, Bill Maher, well, you've already revealed your character, Bill Maher. The stuff you say about Islam and Muslims, you are a bad guy. The stuff Bill Maher has been saying about Muslims for 15 years now, reveals how despicable Bill Maher is. So it doesn't surprise me that he would turn his back on his own people, his own union. This is the mop-up for September 14th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. 
Mitt Romney announced on Wednesday that he will not seek a second term as senator from Utah. Romney, who ran for president in 2012 as the Republican nominee, like George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan before him, put a pleasant face to a rancid political philosophy that they cloaked in religion and a sunny smile, but they were really disguising unabashed greed and contempt for ordinary Americans. Good riddance, Mitt Romney. There is no Trump without Mitt Romney. Romney, in 2012, ushered in the nihilism and fatalism we see coursing through the sclerotic veins of the Republican Party these days. Thanks to Mitt Romney, there is no longer any shred of aspirational thinking inside the GOP. No longer any pretense of patriotism or returning to America's small town values. That used to be what Republicans pretended to be. This is now, thanks to Mitt Romney, a party that thrives off destruction and lies. And this fatalism is what Mitt Romney brought to presidential politics back in 2012 when he challenged Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, when he was running for re-election. Romney was a merchant of mendacity and destruction. Not as good as Trump turned out to be. Uh, Trump much better at selling lies and destruction, which is why Romney lost in 2012. And it's why Trump won in 2016. Let's start with the lies, and then I'll get to the nihilism, the fatalism, the self-centered, narcissistic contempt for all things, not me, in the Republican Party. This is what the Republican Party is now. If it doesn't involve me, I'm not interested. So let's start with the lies. In 2012, Romney taught Donald Trump that when you run for president, you can deceive to your heart's content. Mitt Romney is a liar. Mitt Romney is a liar. That's not me saying this. That's Newt Gingrich back in 2012 when they were both running for the Republican nomination. Newt Gingrich said, Mitt Romney is a liar. Why? Because Mitt Romney is a liar. Newt Gingrich was thunderstruck by the lies Romney was able to get away with in 2012. Romney lied with abandon and Donald Trump was watching. In 2012, Romney lied that President Obama spent his first four years in office traveling around the world apologizing for America. That is a lie. Obama never once apologized for America on foreign soil. He never apologized for America. Romney accused Obama of cutting defense spending. A lie. Under Obama, defense spending increased. Romney accused Obama of destroying two million jobs as president. A lie. Obama took office at the depths of the greatest economic downturn since the Depression. Bush killed capitalism. So when Obama took office, America was losing one million jobs a month. By the time Obama debated Romney, Obama had added three million jobs 
But Romney, who is a liar, repeated this lie that Obama was a job destroyer because Romney liked the way it sounded. It was a lie Donald Trump was watching. And that's what he learned. You can lie and get away with it. And most importantly, Mitt Romney lied about his company, Bain Capital, the bane of most workers' existence, Bain Capital, a private equity firm that took over perfectly fine companies, saddled them with the debt that Romney accrued buying these companies. Then once he owned them, he stripped those companies bone dry to pay off that debt. Pure evil, pure evil and pure destruction, pure destruction. He took a wrecking ball to our economy. The term creative destruction, you've heard that term in economics, creative destruction. It was first coined by the Austrian economist Joseph Schumpeter back in the 1940s. Schumpeter maintained that for capitalism to survive, there needed to be creative destruction. He said you needed to destroy certain industries, certain companies to build back stronger ones. But private equity what Bain did, what Romney did, was uncreative destruction, not good for capitalism. Horrible, horrible. It created end-stage capitalism, what we have right now because of private equity, because of the liar, the destructive liar, Mitt Romney. Bain Capital, private equity, realized there was money in destruction, not in building anything back, just in destroying companies. It's called leverage buyouts. That's what Mitt Romney was the master of. He took a wrecking ball to perfectly good companies and then sold off the scraps at the expense of working families. Romney put hundreds of thousands of Americans out of work by taking out loans to purchase perfectly good companies and then to pay off those loans that he took out to buy those companies, he put that debt on to these newly purchased companies' balance sheets. And suddenly, a profitable company had a new owner, Mitt Romney, Bain Capital, and suddenly they owed hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe billions, which Romney paid off by raiding the pension funds of that company, selling off whatever buildings or equipment that the company owned, and most importantly, firing everyone, while at the same time paying himself an extraordinary salary as a consultant. This is just pure evil. It is not capitalism. Bain Capital took advantage of every legal and tax loophole they could find. And when they couldn't find it, they lobbied Congress to create some so that they could buy a company, drive it often, more times than not, into bankruptcy and pay back what it owed to its creditors pennies on the dollar. This used to be illegal, but Reagan became president and, of course, Romney and his friends over at Bain Capital helped write the laws that legalized this destruction. It put hundreds, not it, 
private equity. Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney put hundreds of thousands of Americans out of work and he contributed to the destruction of the Rust Belt and our middle class and factory jobs. He was what is called a corporate raider. Find a company that serves a community with old fashioned values, raid it, take it over, gut it, sell it off piece by piece. And the only people who benefit are the private equity investors. It should be against the law. And before Reagan, it was. Before Reagan, it was against the law to purchase a company with debt and then put that debt on the balance sheet of the company you just purchased. It's evil. It's destructive. It's not capitalism. Romney ran for president on the big lie that he was a job creator. He was, in fact, a job destroyer. And when he was forced to defend how he made his fortune, once again, he lied and said, at Bain Capital, we took sick companies and made them healthy. No, you're a liar, Mitt Romney. You took perfectly good companies like Toys R Us and injected them with the cancer of debt and you killed them. Romney taught Trump that you not only can lie when you're running for president, you must lie. Because by 2016, when Trump ran for president, there was nothing the GOP had to offer the American people other than lies and destruction. The only way to get elected president by 2016, if you were a Republican, was to lie about yourself, lie about what you stand for, lie about your history, and of course, lie, lie about your opponent. Romney's campaign in 2012 was one big lie, especially the lie that promised fiscal responsibility. The lie of fiscal responsibility when he named as his vice president, Congressman Paul Ryan, a liar, a fraud who chaired the House Budget Committee at the time. Ryan lied as he preached fiscal responsibility. He lied and said he didn't want to gut Medicare or Social Security, but somehow was always willing to put it on the chopping block because what he really wanted to do was cut taxes for the rich, which is exactly what he finally accomplished in 2017 as speaker. When Trump became president, the first thing he accomplished and pretty much the only thing he accomplished, other than killing a million Americans from covid, the only thing Trump accomplished was passing that big tax cut for the rich, the biggest tax cut for the rich in American history. This was back in 2017. That tax cut for the rich added eight trillion dollars to our national debt. One third of our national debt, maybe a quarter, between a quarter and a third of our national debt belongs to Donald Trump and, of course, Speaker Paul Ryan, even though Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney ran on fiscal responsibility. And, of course, Donald Trump. But forget him. We're talking about Mitt Romney. It is all one big lie. Nothing that comes out of the mouths of Republicans is the truth. Republicans 
are a party of con artists who are selling lemons to the American people. And by 2016, the Republicans realized who better to sell lemons than a phony billionaire like Donald Trump. Say whatever it takes to make the sale. It's not the art of the deal. He wasn't making deals. He was selling garbage. That's what Donald Trump did all his life. He sold garbage real estate, garbage junk bonds to casino investors. There was no deal. He was a con artist selling garbage. And it was Romney in 2012 who taught him all this, who ushered in the nihilism and despair that permeates the Republican Party today. Romney's Bain Capital wasn't about building anything. It was about destroying businesses and pocketing the scraps. And it was Romney who redefined in 2012 how Republicans viewed capitalism, how they defined capitalism. It became much more vicious when Republicans talked about capitalism. It wasn't about helping neighborhoods anymore. They were suddenly okay with capitalism being a destructive force. They began to celebrate the destruction inherent, they said, in capitalism. They began to sell capitalism as cruel and vicious and they convinced an entire party that cruel and vicious was a good thing. Bain Capital created wealth, not jobs, by destroying companies and lives. And that, that is how, thanks to Mitt Romney, in 2012, Republicans began to define capitalism. They defined capitalism as purely a dog-eat-dog -dog survival of the fittest conceit, and somehow the viciousness, the cruelty makes everyone stronger when we know it doesn't. They lie. They lie about capitalism. They lie about everything. And because of this liar, Mitt Romney, a nihilism, a fatalism seeped into the party. And by the time Trump ran in 2016, it was ripe. It was there for the taking. Trump was celebrated as a wrecking ball. And that in 2016 was suddenly a good thing. I like him. He's a wrecking ball. Suddenly I'm hearing people in 2016 saying we need to we need to send a wrecking ball to Washington and break things. OK, let's send a wrecking ball to Washington. We're going to break things. And what are you going to replace these things with? Doesn't matter. It's more important that we break things. Throughout the Trump presidency, Congress, the Republican-controlled Congress, voted nearly 100 times to get rid of Obamacare. It never passed. They never got rid of it. They weakened Obamacare, but they, they never got rid of it. And whenever you ask Trump or Paul Ryan when they were, when, when Ryan was speaker and they were voting to get rid of Obamacare, whenever they were asked, what are you going to replace Obamacare with, they would say, something better. But there was never any plan for what came after getting rid of Obamacare, because it was all about destroying things, destroying lives. Is it any wonder, then, that Trump's presidency culminated in the ransacking of our capital? This is a far different Republican Party, thanks to Mitt Romney. This is not the same party 
that existed back in 72 with Richard Nixon. This is the Reagan revolution turned into the Romney revolution. With the Reagan revolution, it was all about destroying all the gains Democrats made, starting with Roosevelt's New Deal and all the way up to Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. The, the Reagan revolution vowed to destroy government. And so they needed to attract a type of voter, a type of candidate, someone with a worldview for gun-toting morons who just want to be left alone. That's the voter they cultivated. And by 2012, the Reagan revolution devolved into a new type of conservative, a Romney conservative, a destructive liar. That's what the party, that's what conservatives became in 2012, thanks to Mitt Romney, destructive, nihilistic liars. It became a party in 2012 run by unoriginal multimillionaires and billionaires who want to conserve their own wealth. They're not about innovation. They're not about creating jobs or keeping capitalism humming. In 2012, under Mitt Romney, conservatism, the Republican Party, was no longer about conserving capitalism. It became about gutting capitalism, taking as much as you can from capitalism for yourself and only for yourself. It's a toxic myopia that serves the preservation only of their own wealth, not the creation of more wealth, just holding on to the wealth you already have by paying fewer taxes to the government and paying absolutely nothing to your workers in order to pass as much of their wealth down to their idiot children who are congenitally incapable of creating wealth, only squandering it. You cannot think this way, the way Romney thinks, unless you're utterly convinced that you and your children are immune to the consequences of this short-sighted thinking. It's a type of hedonism that used to be antithetical to the conservative movement. But conservative thinking is no longer about conservation. It's about living in the moment, taking what you want when you want it, and consequences be damned. At the top of the food chain inside the Republican Party, you have Romney and, of course, the billionaires he answers to. And then down below, you have the bottom feeders who came to Washington on a promise to destroy the woke mob, to own the libs, to wreck government, to destroy everything. People like Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from Colorado. This is video of Lauren Boebert losing her seat. Unfortunately, this is surveillance uh, video from the Buell Theater where Beetlejuice was being performed. And this is a video of her being forced to give up her seat. Unfortunately, not uh, her congressional seat. Here she is getting thrown out of 
a Denver performance of Beetlejuice, the musical, earlier this week. And nobody, nobody personifies the Republican voter more than Lauren Boebert, a low-information imbecile with the attention span of pubic lice. Like Republican voters, Lauren Boebert is incapable of thinking about anything other than her immediate satisfaction, gratification. She has no concern for the community, the future, or how her actions affect others. And we saw that. We're looking at it right now during a performance of Beetlejuice. There she is being thrown out, walked out of the theater in the middle of a performance of Beetlejuice. It was last Sunday, and it was in Denver, and people paid good money to get babysitters, pay for parking, and of course, tickets to see Beetlejuice. Must have been, what? what is it, $90, $100, $200 a seat? They didn't pay to listen to Lauren Boebert sing along, which she did throughout the first half of the show, no matter how many times the people sitting in the immediate vicinity asked her to shut up. A pregnant woman sitting behind Lauren Boebert asked the congresswoman to stop vaping. Who vapes when they're who vapes while they're watching in the theater? Lauren Boebert vapes in the theater. This woman said, I'm pregnant. I don't want my fetus to breathe in secondhand vape smoke, to which the pro-life congresswoman Lauren Boebert reportedly called the pregnant woman said, I'm going to keep vaping, and you're a sad and miserable person. Then Lauren Boebert went back to making out with her boyfriend, like a chimpanzee. Ushers came over several times to tell Congresswoman Boebert that she was breaking the rules by videotaping the the musical Beetlejuice with her phone, to which uh, Boebert responded, do you know who I am? And then she continued to record the musical while hooting, hollering with her arms up in the air. She continued to vape and make out with the guy she was with, who wasn't her husband. As complaint after complaint piled up, an usher finally, and you just saw that, politely asked her to leave. And Boebert said, no, I'm a United States congresswoman. She also lied and said she sat on the board of the Buell Theater and warned, I'm a United States congressman. I will be calling the mayor of Denver to complain about you. But finally, the usher became insistent. The people around her demanded she leave. And the usher escorted Lauren Boebert out of the building with her boyfriend, who it turns out happens to be a Democrat. According to the Daily Mail, Lauren Boebert is dating a 46-year-old Democrat. Not only is she cheating on her own party by dating a Democrat, she's still married to Jason Bobart. The divorce has not been finalized yet, and that seems kind of inappropriate behavior from a devout Christian like Lauren Boebert, a woman who prattles on and on about family values. I mean, it's just inappropriate for someone like Lauren Boebert to talk about Christian values while making that in public with a man she's not married to. But this is the Republican Party. No one is more emblematic of this Republican Party more so than Lauren Boebert. No restraint, no concern for others. It doesn't matter who you harm. In fact, part of the fun 
is the harm. Go to a musical and become the center of attention by ruining it for others. When the pregnant woman sitting behind you complains, Bobert's boyfriend offered to buy the pregnant woman a cocktail. As, a, as The woman said, I'm pregnant, please don't vape. And before intermission, the boyfriend said, let me buy you a cocktail during intermission. Secondhand smoke, alcohol, who cares that you're pregnant? We live for the moment. We're Republicans. Lauren Boebert, by the way, is 36 years old. And besides being anti-abortion, she's also against the teaching of sex ed in our public schools. Now, earlier this year, she spoke at CPAC. That's Matt Schlapp's big gala celebrating conservative thought. In her speech, she railed against public schools teaching children about contraception and how funding for those schools must be cut because they're teaching about contraception. That was in March of 2023. In April of 2023, the 36-year-old Lauren Boebert, who's against contraception, announced that she had become a grandmother at the age of 36. Her 17-year-old imbecile son fathered a child out of wedlock. Lauren had her first child when she was a senior in high school. And like all pregnant teens, she immediately dropped out of school to start a family with her husband, Jason Bobert, who a few years ago was arrested in a bowling alley for exposing his genitalia to two underage girls. Google it. Jason Bobert was arrested in 2004 for exposing his you-know-what to two young women, underage girls, at a Colorado bowling alley. He pleaded guilty to public indecency and lewd exposure and was sentenced to do four days in jail, which he did, and he had two years of probation. Lauren Boebert was with him at the time, and she came to his defense saying, and I wish I were making this up, she said it wasn't Jason's fault. He was being egged on by the bartender. That was her defense for her husband exposing himself to two underage girls. It was the bartender's fault. He was egging my husband on. Lauren Boebert, of course, has been arrested at least four times that we know of. This is one of her many mugshots. She's been arrested for harassing her neighbors, interfering with police officers, getting arrested, then running away from the police while she was handcuffed, ignoring at least five summons to appear in court after she has been arrested, putting children in danger by letting her pit bulls roam free, and of course, walking away from a car accident, allegedly, supposedly, with children still inside the car. I That is what I read. I have not had that confirmed, but she was definitely in a car accident that she walked away from. Lauren Bobert and her husband also own a bar and restaurant called Shooters. They kind of play on Hooters. It, it, it's gone out of business. It was a gun-themed restaurant where the waitresses walked around with 9 millimeter pistols on their hips. 
because Lauren Boebert loves guns. When she first got elected to Congress back in 2020, she refused to go through the metal detectors and bragged that she didn't care what the laws were in Washington, D.C. I'm walking around with a concealed weapon. Too bad her uh, husband didn't learn to walk around with a concealed weapon. Well, eventually shooters went out of business. And I think this might have had something to do with shooters going out of business. I don't know. Uh, there was this incident at a rodeo in Colorado where shooters, her restaurant, set up a booth to sell her world famous pork sliders. And ooh, did they slide. Nearly everyone who ate one of her pork sliders ended up with food poisoning. According to the Colorado Department of Health, 36 of all 38 people who ordered a pork slider from Lauren Bober's Shooters became ill and uh, they came down with world famous diarrhea, which might explain the reason Lauren Bobert calls the place Shooters. The restaurant closed last year. And here is what Lauren Bobert said when the restaurant closed. Quote, there's a time and season for everything and God God has called us to focus our time and energy elsewhere. Yeah, God has called you to stop giving the people of Colorado diarrhea. So, so, why was Shooters, which just went out of business last year, why was it a gun-themed restaurant? According to Lauren Bobert, a man was beaten to death outside her restaurant, and the customers asked if it was okay to bring their guns, and she said, sure. And soon her restaurant was filled with people bringing their guns. It became a celebration of guns. And she decided to change the name of the restaurant to Shooters. Great story. Only one little problem with it. It's a lie. Like everything that comes out of the mouth of a Republican, it's a lie. Nobody beat a man to death outside the restaurant. He died from a drug overdose or maybe diarrhea from one of her pork sliders. There was no need to bring guns to her restaurant, but she liked the way it sounded. So she lied and said, somebody was beaten to death outside my restaurant. So we started to call the place shooters and everyone could bring their gun. It's a lie. There was no need for anyone to bring guns to her restaurant or to bring guns anywhere. But if you're a Republican, like Lauren Boebert, you lie. You lie. That's what it's all about. One lie after another. Lie. Lauren Boebert claims to be a Christian woman who's opposed to the teaching of sex ed, while her 17-year-old son makes her grandmom at, what, 36? She preaches family values while her soon-to-be ex-husband is arrested for exposing himself in front of two underage girls. And then she lies and said he was egged on by the bartender. It's not his fault. She rails against the woke mob preaching personal responsibility while serving pork sliders filled with food poisoning because she lacks the personal responsibility to obey her state's health codes. Her life is built on lies in consideration for others. She lives a life that is careless, carefree, and unable to see what a horrible world she's creating, not just for herself, 
but for her idiot children as well. This is who we're up against. Imbeciles who are too stupid to realize how dumb they are. Not only have they taken over an entire party, they're also allowed to carry guns. On Tuesday, let's see if the technology is working now. Okay. Wish me luck. On Tuesday, fingers crossed, Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced... I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Then adding. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. <sighs> OK, so far, so good. For more on this, we are joined by Louisiana Republican Senator John Kennedy. Uh, Senator John Kennedy, what did you think when you found out there would be another impeachment I got a new strap-on strap harness today. I see. Okay. Good for you, Senator Kennedy. As a United States senator, uh, you had to sit through two trials to remove Donald Trump from office. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Yeah. I, I can imagine, as a loyal Republican, it would have been painful watching your president go through this. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Uh-huh. Because humans are resilient, we do adapt. And I guess the pleasure was in Trump. Uh, first, it was painful, but then there was the pleasure of watching Trump acquitted by the Senate twice. What was the first thing that crossed your mind when you realized there's now a distinct possibility that there will be more articles of impeachment for you to consider? It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. Ah, okay. And what did you tell uh, Speaker McCarthy when he made the announcement? You're going to look so hot. Okay. And what did he tell you? I can't wait to have your in my mouth. Wow. Uh, that's the uh, cleanest that I can do with... I mean, he just made a uh, just Google John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy and what he did in the Senate on Tuesday. It is the most graphic, homoerotic uh, reading of Lindsey Graham's will that I have ever heard in my life. Google this and, and watch the full. I can't play it. It's so graphic. Well. For more on this, uh, let's go to Mar-a-Lago, where the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, is standing by. I didn't want any special treatment, David. I said, do it all. Let me have it. Let me experience the, the whole criminal justice system firsthand. I said, don't treat me like a multi-billionaire. Treat me like you would an ordinary run-of-the-mill billionaire. You experienced it firsthand. So, wow, it was uneventful. Reasonably uneventful. And, I, and David, I must say, the defense lawyers working for free, they couldn't have been more helpful, David. Couldn't have been more helpful. Oh, I, I didn't know that. So you used uh, public defenders. No, David. No, I, I had my own lawyers. But you just said your lawyers working for free. Those are public defenders. Yes, I mean, they don't know that yet. But trust me, they're working for free. <laughs> Everyone who works for Trump works for free. Uh -huh. 
because of love. So your lawyers were pro bono, David. Pro bono. That's a Latin word meaning shares a pig. <laughs> Get it, David? David, I'm pro bono because shares a pig, David. You can have that one, David. That, Thank that's you. some Trump comedy for you. Thank you. It's all yours, David. That's gratis. That's gratis. This is my conversation that I had with Donald Trump earlier today. We talked about his arrest and uh, it continued. Thank you. Go Thank ahead, you. Take it. Take it. Take it, David. Thank you. Thank because you. I know, David, how much your people like to take. Uh, I'm sorry, my, my people? You know, David, the Soros people, the Soros worshippers, the mm. Soros backers, all mm. those people. Like the Jews. You, you mean the Jews? Who said anything about the Jews? You're so gross, David, putting words in my mouth, David. Just, Mr. President, you just said the Soros worshippers. I have no idea what you're talking about. Come David. on, you're being disingenuous. I with love all. the Jews, David. I love Trump loves the Jews, David. My daughter married a Soros-backed worshipping <laughs> person, David. Soros-backed. Terrific people, David. The Soros-backed, Soros-worshipping Soros people. <laughs> they have amazing powers, David. That is classic code for the Jews. They have amazing Jews. powers, these people. They can take any judge and turn him into a liberal, David. <laughs> any judge they want with their amazing sorrows back powers, David. <laughs> you do realize that this is... What? I'm talking about the sorrows people. You're talking about the Jews. Did That's I a- mention the Jews? You're the one who can't stop talking <laughs> about the Jews, David. You're the only one in the room. Who said anything about the Jews? And by the way, I might as well be an honorary Soros-backed, (laughs) Soros-worshipping person. Because the Soros worshippers in the holy land of is Soros, they love Trump. I'm sorry, what, what, what country? What country are you talking about? The holy land of is Soros. Is Soros. There's is a ca- Soros, the capital Jerusalem. <laughs> so, it used to be tell, tell Soros, and then I took care of that day. That I said, I want the embassy in Jerusalem. <laughs> Jerusalem. Jerusalem, because believe me, the Soros worshippers is Soros. They can't believe. I'll tell you what they can't believe, and this is so sad, David. Yeah. Did you know that the Soros-backed Soros worshippers <laughs> in America, they don't vote for Trump. It's incredible because the holy land of Soros <laughs> never had a bigger friend than Trump. Ask anyone in Jerusalem. Who's the prime minister of Soros? It's Benjamin Netanyahu Soros. <laughs> He knows where his matzah is. <laughs> Did you say he knows which side his matzah has the horse? He knows where his matzah is cream cheese. 
He knows, David. He knows. So you are the biggest friend of Is Soros, the country Is Soros. Okay, okay. I think you're gaslighting me. You know, you're very charming. And I don't know amusing. what you're talking about, David. I, I feel your gas. Now I feel you're charming me. And first, I, I don't like the Jews. Now I'm a gaslighter. Let me ask you something. I'm asking you to ask me. Okay. Why do I love the West Bank so much? Because I do. I love the West Bank. I love the West Bank, David. Okay. Why and, do I and love the West Bank? Why do you? Go ahead and ask, David. Why okay. do I love the West Bank? Why do you love the Go West Bank? Go ahead. Why Go do ahead you, and ask. Why do you love the West ask Bank? Ask me, David. What the, the West Bank, why do you, Donald Trump, love the West Bank? Because it's the only bank in the world I don't owe money to, David. Get it? West yes. Bank. Take yes. it, David. That's your joke. Take it. Take the joke, David. Thank you. Thank you. That's charity. That's me providing charity for poor Soros-backed people that need help, David. You're trying to do a comedy. Take the joke, David. Thank you. Take the West Bank joke, David, just like you took the West Bank from the Palestinians. <laughs> see, that's not nice. No, David, take it. You people love. I love you people because you people just love to take. Okay, again, with my take, people, David. my people. Why would you said anything about the Jews, David? <laughs> you, you just haven't heard a single word. About the Jews, except you just said my people, the Jews. It's a little uncomfortable. David, let me ask you something. How could Donald Trump? How could Trump possibly hate the Jews? My Lord and Savior, David, Jesus Christ, was originally a Soros back, <laughs> Soros worshipping Sorosian. <laughs> he was a Sorosian. He was a Sorosian, and then he realized that the Sorosians were donating to Alvin Bragg, David. Alvin Bragg. To the disgusting, corrupt DA. So uh, Alvin so Bragg. The Sorosians were donating to Alvin Bragg, and Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to create my own religion. Hmm. It did, David. Made a fortune, too. <laughs> Jesus made a huge fortune, David. Very smart. But love, David. It was all, a lot of money, all made from love, David. Sweet. That is former president of the United States, Donald Trump, who I spoke with earlier today. I'm being told that it's actually Robert Smigel. I, I don't, that is not true. It is not Robert Smigel. That is former President Donald Trump, and I am David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 